transportation has always been important. It is literally how we get from one place to another. And it is always changing. From the invention of the wheel, the steamship, the railroad to electric cars, we are in an ever-changing cycle of transportation progression. Improvements to comfort, accessibility, and sustainability seem to be more important now than ever. But what if we were still in the mindset of how do we connect one place to another? How do we simply take more ground? How do we get from here to there? On a cool, crisp November 7 at 9.22 a.m., 1885, something that Pierre Burton called our national dream was realized. Canada would officially be linked from coast to coast. Not as an anecdote or a principle or even something in prayer, it was linked physically by rail line. On this day, the, the last spike was pounded into the ground. Unfortunately, the dignitary missed, and they had to get a second last spike, but that one was pounded into the ground eventually. Then the picture was taken and the telegram was sent to Sir John A. Macdonald, letting him know that it was now accomplished. You could now travel Canada from one coast to the other. For a Canadian, this is a big deal. We have a large country with various types of terrain. Even today, I know people who have never ventured outside of their own province. We have a beautiful country. I encourage you to enjoy it. And in this scripture we're looking at today, it's how Jesus took the gospel to new places, a journey that he would never actually have a last spike moment because it's always progressing and it's always moving forward. If we jump back into the book of Mark, now in chapter 5, we catch up with last week's teaching. So Jesus and the disciples were exhausted from, from teaching and dealing with people problems. So Jesus and his crew, they, they board the train headed for relaxation, but ended up in the middle of anxiety as a storm overtook the sea. Caught up in the middle of this storm as a last resort, the disciples, who were completely freaking out, woke Jesus up, who was asleep on a pillow in the bottom of the boat. Jesus calms the storm and challenges their faith. Needless to say, these guys are still maybe a bit frazzled and didn't get the rest they were needing. And last week I talked through four principles to living through a storm. And if you are in the middle of a storm season, that might be a great place to start. But chapter 5 starts with Jesus on dry ground. Let's begin in chapter 5, verse 1. And I'm going to be reading again from the NRSV for this week's teaching. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerenesis. And when they had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man came out of his tombs with an unclean spirit and met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains were wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke into pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. 
night and day among the other tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I jure you by God not to torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly, Do not send them into the country. Now there was a hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down a steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herders ran off and told in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might be with them. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy has been shown to you. Needless to say, this is a dramatic story. Jesus' gospel train is taking new ground everywhere it goes. And as we are reading, weird and crazy things keep happening. 2,000 years ago, you didn't need YouTube. You just needed to follow Jesus around if you wanted to see something wacky happening. Two things I want you to pay attention to that are happening here, and they're going to keep happening throughout the book of Mark. The first one is this. He is going to be defining with clarity how powerful something as simple as love is when it is practiced and displayed for the world to see. We like to gravitate to big, aggressive shows of religion. More is better, bigger is impressive. Jesus simply showed signs of love. The second thing is how Jesus is calmly calling all things back to the redemptive nature that is present all through Scripture. There is a constant calling back to the perfection that was in the beginning. Even in Revelation 21, it echoes the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I make all things new. Through Jesus, we are called to become new, new in spirit, new in action, and new in thought. With that in mind, it is important that we, we get these two stories in front of us. We get these two stories and, and they draw us from the book of Mark. They are pretty extreme stories. It wasn't just an average storm. It was a gale force wind taking down boats in, a, in this giant storm. The exorcism wasn't just an average casting out of a demon. It was an entire legion, an army of demons inside of this man. 
Now, for the original audience, they would have some experience witnessing a standard exorcism. Judaism is very adept in this world, and they have been for far longer than Christians. Even in the ancient Near East culture, various religions are practicing and recording ancient practices of exercising demons. But this story takes it to the next level. Now, growing up in an old-school Pentecostal church, I have seen my share of stuff. I have sat through teachings and read books about all this. I have listened to the arguments about what is a demon, what isn't a demon, who can have one and who doesn't have one, and it can be exhausting. This story by itself is kind of crazy. And I always wondered why Jesus allowed a demon the right to a new home. Was it for comedic value? Jesus and the Jews wouldn't have eaten pork, so might as well send the demons into a useless animal, and then everyone can watch and laugh at the silly Gentile pig farmers. I don't know. I will say this, though. Anytime the enemy tries to claim what isn't his, it is demonic. I'm not trying to minimize the topic for those of you who are really into this stuff. I've seen my share of crazy things firsthand in ministry. I I watched a 90-pound lady rip the arm off a chair while manifesting. I I have some stories that can only be described as the conflict between the two kingdoms. There are times when it is obvious, and I've also watched more non-obvious times when people purposely try to create disunity in a church with the intent of causing harm, splitting it, or dragging it off mission. I've watched this one happen since day one in ministry. Both of these are demonic. The enemy trying to take what isn't his, a person, a church, that's demonic. Now, one area that gets a considerable amount of attention is in the realm of healing and mental illness. Much of these teachings come from misunderstandings and improper exegesis of scripture. Just because someone deals with depression or another issue with their mental health, it does not mean they have a demon. You would need to say the same thing about anyone who has a physical handicap too. I've struggled with depression and I have struggled with physical health. And I thank Jesus that for me a bit of this is under control and the Spirit of God does help with that. But please understand that we live in a fallen world and do not understand all the intricacies that come with that. I believe that in most cases, the only way that some of these topics become demonic is because we are giving credit where credit isn't due. God is the only one who can be everywhere all the time. He is the one that deserves our attention and our praise. When we give attention to something, we are worshiping that thing. In the book of Mark, I think we get the impression here that we need to not overcomplicate the narrative and drag it away from the fact that it is about Jesus and his power and not about the stronghold of a demon. Even in this story, people were more concerned with losing their pigs than the fact that Jesus just redeemed someone's soul. Jesus, you you have to leave here because you're going to do more harm. It sounds to me like when Christians pick and choose who comes to church, 
if you have any sins from this list, you can't come here. Try another church, because this is for people who have it all together. Our sins are from this list. It's not as public, and it's not as big of a deal. Hey, church, um, Jesus built his church with the intention that everyone, no matter your name, no matter your last name, no matter your family, no matter how you vote, no matter what you've done, no matter who you think you are, no matter how you identify or no matter how you smell, can come to Jesus for love and acceptance. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 to 23, the Apostle Paul writes this as a reflection of what he saw for the future. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but of the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the creation has been groaning in labor pains up till now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we await the adoption of the redemption of our bodies. Look, the, the demonic in this story is a microcosm of the world and the creation around us as it groans for redemption. We are all constantly being called back to Jesus and being pulled back to his kingdom. There will always be natural and supernatural conflict with that kingdom. Every time the good news of Jesus and his freedom comes to a new town, house, or person, there is a new track that is being laid and another spike driven into the ground declaring what belongs to Jesus. Jesus' love to find and calling to redemption is done through one reminder to you today that you are loved. Above all else, you are loved. The enemy wants you alone, alienated, confused about his authority, and even depressed. He wants you believing lies about your identity and your potential. Everything that is contrary to what the gospel says about you. As someone called, redeemed, and loved, are you returning the favor of what Jesus has done for you to those around you? Are you still on mission with Jesus? Or are you comfortable staying in your place? Maybe it's time to step out and create change in the world around you. Maybe it's time to lay new track, put new spikes in the ground. Know this, Jesus is calling you even still, calling you to be loved and calling you to be redeemed unto himself. Be at peace, knowing the God who speaks to physical storms is also calming the storms inside our hearts and inside our souls. Just because someone tells you there's something wrong with you, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Jesus has the final answer. I want to pray for you this morning, and um, I want to call you to something higher. I want to call you to the understanding that you were created to be who you are. Maybe you don't feel like you're perfect. Maybe you don't feel like you're everything you need to be. None of us are. We're all still working at it. 
but you are who God created you to be. You are perfect in his sight. Lord God, I thank you for everyone watching this today. I thank you for this church, and I thank you that you've given us a massive calling to love you and to love the people around us. And a big part of that is to take your gospel to the world around us. The, the kingdom of the, the darkness does not like that, but that's okay because we serve a risen savior. We serve a God who is in control. We serve a God who loves us. And so we just thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you have called us to be your children. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to encourage you this week that when things look dark, when things look sad around you, that there's something calling you higher, and that is the spirit of Jesus Christ. When people say, yeah, 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 but that guy over there, let's write him off. No, 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 no. We don't write people off. Souls are valuable. They are so much more valuable to Jesus than reputations, than political gain, than making us feel good about having the right people in the right places at all times. Whoever wants to come to Jesus can come to Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel. If there was limits on who could come to Jesus, we'd have a pretty empty building, and that would be pretty sad. If you need Jesus, come to Jesus. If you think you've already got it all together, well, come to Jesus, because you don't. You guys have an amazing week, and I can't wait to share more with you next week.